Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. the high fashion hotline help our family's going to a big football game this weekend and i want to get us on the jumbotron in some fresh new styles sprint over to old navy old navy yep old navy's giant thank you event is happening now get 30 percent off your purchase or 40 percent off when you use or open an old navy credit card at old navy or old navy.com 40 percent off wow that's a huge score better hurry it ends sunday time to huddle up and head to old navy high fashion old navy valid 926 to 930 excludes in-store clearance register lane items gift cards jewelry today only and two-day only deals 40 percent offer subject to credit approval Now time for the Pride Detroit POD cast. Very lazy here on this June the 11th as we record. We just myself, Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. And my man, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, back as he is on Twitter. No Ryan Matthews right now. Uh, that's because I'm having some beef with him. Especially when it comes to time and scheduling and the fact that we are recording on a Monday and not a Sunday and I am tired of waiting around. So I'm just finally told Jeremy, I'm not waiting anymore. I want to get this rolling. You know what? I got a smoothie to make. It's hot as hell here in Los Angeles and I do not have time for these damn hobbies. I mean, you're, you're committed now. Now I don't think you're the one that we need to question whether they're a Lions fan or not. You're committed. You're here. That's right. I show up to work. Exactly. So Ryan, Ryan's on notice. Ryan might blue Ryan, column. <laughs> he might show up during this podcast. He might not. But we've we put the call out for the past forty-five to an hour with no response. So assuming he's not dead, and if he's dead, we're going to have to delete this intro. No, we're not. We'll stay in. But you we'll know what? Stay. I'm here with Detroit grit. Rub some dirt in it. Motor City, cars, tough, tough, tough. That's what you Cylinder, cylinder talk? Cylinder t- car talk is back. No. We tried getting Kyle Yost in here to do salad talk, but he was he doesn't have Wi-Fi right now. Anyway, today is the last day of rookie minicamp. We start there. We're doing Wayback Machine a little later, and I do not have my notes up in front of me. I couldn't tell you what it is. Busy week for anything outside of the world of football, at least what America calls football, the rest of the world, World Cup coming up. I'm always excited about it. We will probably do World Cup cast. Probably not. I really push these borders with Jeremy sometimes. Uh, But let's start with Rookie Minicamp, which just finished up. And once again, my reservations about any of this kind of stuff just keeps coming up. But Jeremy insists on it because he knows being the blog writer he is, the man who has to derive his income from clicks, not me. I just show up every week, pump out a podcast. I just have to do these things. But this is the last chance to get in some Lions news before we get really dead in the water. Yeah, so so, yeah, so three-day minicamp ended last week. We still have uh, one more OTA session this week. But today, Monday, was the last one that's open to the public. So what I did was gathered some winners and losers from minicamp because, like you mentioned, this week of OTAs is the last that the Lions are going to be practicing until training camp, which is expected to be late July, early August. They don't have official dates yet. But, I mean, this this is all that we're going to have to talk about. We're going to have to persist on what happened last week and today for a full month. So we might as well talk not, about it. We, not we quite, might as well, me. Not quite. Not quite. We can sit here and debate whether Patricia has lost the team. We'll we'll get to that in the mailbag because we got about eighty different questions about that. Oh, of course he did. I I didn't even want to talk about it. But shout out Deadspin. (laughs) So yeah, I got three sets of winners, three sets of losers. We can talk about them. 
Uh, I was hoping that maybe Ryan could bring some winners and losers to the table too. But you know what? He's not a Lions fan. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Damn. So air horn for that. Please don't do that. Go on. <laughs> who, who are your? Let's let's start here. Who are your winners? Let's just say because I know enough about these guys. I'm a Lions fan after all. And I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to try to jump in here. Well, let's let's start with a position group, and I know that's kind of cheating, but three guys stuck out to me in the in the receiving core alone. Kenny Galladay showing up. There is a lot of hype around Kenny Galladay right now. He's uh he's basically dominating everyone in practice, including Tease Tabor, including Darius Slay. This is a guy I think could possibly finally live up to the hype of the I, I have a feeling we, we tend to overhype wide receivers every offseason. Kenny Galladay is a, a name. As long as that dude stays healthy this year, I've extremely high hopes for him. I'm very excited about him. I mean, we did see enough flashes to do get Jim Lee op, uh, yeah. hoped about him last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, those injuries, I think, did, did sideline him for, for about a good year. And it, it's clear, I think, in the organization, like I'm trying, they didn't really take any other big name wide receivers in this draft. This was, I think this is their guy moving forward to slot in alongside with Tate and Jones and maybe eventually take over the role of maybe one of them if it comes to it. Absolutely. So number two. See that. Yeah. Number two on the on the wide receiver list. This is still just one of the three. Jace Billingsley. Let's talk about Jace for a minute here. Because mm. we we weren't there last week, but uh Justin Rogers kind of dropped an interesting uh and uh, enigmatic hint about what they were doing with Jace Billingsley. He said, because team rules don't allow him to say anything about formations or certain plays, so he can't report on that. But he said specifically they were utilizing Jace Billingsley's versatility. And then right after that, he noted how many times he ran the ball in college. So without saying it, it certainly sounded like he was saying that Jace Billingsley was running the ball. Not necessarily that he was in the backfield, but I think the Lions definitely see Jace Billingsley as a guy who could fill in for Golden Tate. In fact, that's exactly what he did on Monday during OTAs today. Uh, Golden Tate was not at OTAs uh, today. Jace Billingsley was running with the first team. And by all accounts, uh, based on three observations, three different observation pieces that I read today, he held his own. And so Jace is still, I think, number five on the depth chart wide receiver. But if he's a guy that the Lions could see as a legitimate Golden Tate replacement in the long term, we've all expressed how we don't think Golden Tate's going to be on this team long. This could be his last year. Jace Billingsley could finally live up to the hype. I will make a bet with you that I think Jace Billingsley will not make the 53-man roster. I am unwilling to make that bet. I'm not a betting man. (laughs) You, You coward. You coward. See, hey man, is, I mean, never bet on sports. Uh, you can now in New Jersey, unless it's esports. I, I, I do want to say this because I've been reading a lot of other pieces about this because this is the time of year where everyone does their deep dives on players and looks at tapes. But I do I, this does bring up a point I've I've kind of had in my mind watching Lions Twitter, which is that I think everyone says every one of these players will improve next year, though. Right, and that's been honestly, you know me. This is all my reservation. This is the conversations you and I have with Alex as well. Alex, I think, shares my skepticism about a lot of this offseason banter. But, like, I I don't believe everyone just improves. That it's not just every stock that you own is going to increase its its, uh, profit. Yeah. So, like, yeah, no, Jace Billingsley, I'm I'm glad he's having a great outing. We are all here fans of Jace Billingsley. But to be honest, I just don't see a future for him, like, I mean, unless he like really, really balls out this year, I just don't see it. It's you bring up a really good point. And I think a lot of people, especially this time of year, everyone's like, oh, well, Kenny Galladay is entering his second year. He's going to be better. Miles Killebrew is entering his third year. He's going yeah, to be better. I'm not trying like, to throw any of the blog, the Lions blogosphere under the bus on this. Just no. I, but I do see a lot of people who do the tape <clears throat> analysis and they do good work on it. But I, I think it's always with, everything is going to be bright and optimistic. And I, I just, maybe, maybe that's me. Maybe I'm looking for the inner skeptic in me there to say that's not going to happen. 
And either way with Billingsley, it's an uphill climb. Like I said, this is Absolutely. this is wide receiver number five. This isn't a guy who I'm expecting to catch 60 passes this year or anything like that. Yeah, and I mean, we've just seen more out of all the other wide receivers in this battle right now. Yeah. Except Spe- for maybe like some undrafted free agents or something. Well, speaking of which, my third winner amongst the Lions wide receivers is Teo right. Redding. I'm not going to get a lot into him. He's an undrafted free agent. He's not going to make the team. But, Green State. But a lot of people are seem to be excited over what he's doing in, in uh, minicamp so far. I don't think right. he's going to make the team. Well, I want to give you one loser as we move on to here yep. from the next part of this. Uh, Kyle Rudock, who had his charity Hold softball. Hold on. Hold on. Spelled. Take two. Take two. What's what? his name? Jake Rudock. You said Kyle Rudock. No, I didn't. I you said Jake Rudock. said I Kyle Rudock. Roll back the tape. I, we can't because we're recording this on a thing and I'm not going to listen to it. Uh, let me find this minute here. Tw- nine minutes so in, I guarantee you I said Jake. You absolutely didn't. And you're, even if you did, or no, now now you're going to just dub it over just to make me look no, foolish. I'm not. But you said no, Kyle. I'll tell you what, after this, I will stop the re- after we do this segment, I will stop the recorder and I will go back. If I did say Kyle Rudock, it's because I was switching between a couple of articles here. Kyle Meinke's name on a tweet <laughs> and maybe Kyle Yost, but I'm pretty sure I said Jake. All right. Anyway. Well, t- tell me why Jake Rudock is a loser because I have him as a winner. <laughs> I just said the reason why oh. someone misspelled his charity softball jersey. Oh, that's right. Yes. He did. Now, what to your losers? Uh, well, also Jake Rudak, just for... Just for uh, you're a Michigan man. You're sake. biased. He won the, the home run derby and also MVP. And he's also a winner of mine because he... Uh, every day but one, he was the number two quarterback in, uh, in the game, playing with the second team offense. Biased Michigan man. Get to your other losers. I'm saying facts. Anyways, and then everyone said he looked pretty good there. Loser number one, Miles Killebrew. He has had an opportunity with Glover Quinn out. With um, or Glover Quinn was actually back for minicamp, but for the most part, most part this offseason, Glover Quinn has been out. I think we talked about this last week too, with Tavon Wilson also. Miles Killebrew is getting some first team reps, but he is not succeeding at it. He's looking very poor. And this is a make or break year for him. And I, at this point, I would not at all be surprised to see him not make the team. And obviously that's a huge disappointment for someone coming from a small school. We all had a lot of uh, expectations for, you know, he, he was one of those guys where like, okay, you know, once he kind of gets into that second and third year, he learns what an NFL defense, he gets comfortable in an NFL defense. He's going to improve. We haven't seen that out of him. And I'm starting to think that we're never will. Yeah, yeah, I just, uh, it's it's time to close the book on this one, I think. It's uh, sad, but we'll see. I, I mean, he's one of those that I think it might still be a project, at least for another year, that they might try to keep him around. Sure. But we'll see what happens there. Do you have anyone else who you can say is a loser from here? Well, it's kind of mean to say, but it, you, you have to go with Nick Bodden here. Um, according to Dave Burkett, Torres ACL last week. Uh Pretty big bummer. I think all of us, whether tongue-in-cheek or not, we're kind of excited for a fullback training camp battle. At this point, it seems like Nick, it's Nick Ballore's job unless unless the ACL reports were uh, premature or the Lions bring someone else. No Nick Bodden in his rookie year, unfortunately. Uh, Nick Ballore probably will be your starting fullback, but interesting to see that he's making the full transition from linebacker to fullback. And uh, we'll see how that goes. I, I, th- I think a lot of people were like, oh, Nick Bodden's a horrible fullback. They, they you know, this is, or I'm sorry, Nick Ballore is an awful fullback. The fact that they moved him to linebacker just means he sucked as a linebacker. Well, we saw, we saw Ballore in like 13 fullback snaps. So if you can really draw any large conclusions from 13 NFL snaps, then you probably deserve on, deserve to be on some team's payroll. Uh, so Nick Bodden, sad to see someone get injured this early, uh, especially when there's no contact, but it's exactly what happened to Taylor Decker last year. So uh, that might just be his whole career right there. You think what? Because I mean, okay, let me make sure I'm right. He's undrafted, right? Seventh rounder. Seventh round. Okay. Might as well be. I don't know. Every time we see one of these kind of like an ACL tear when you're like, that late i don't yeah i don't know man good luck to him i guess 
Anyway, uh, I do have one more loser from here. This blog, because this is probably the last amount of time we're going to be able to talk about this team on the field. Jeremy desperate to get in anything about training camps or OTAs or anything else. We've got June and July ahead of us. I'm Worst more than happy. sporting months of the year. That's not true. We have the World Cup this year. We are going to talk World Cup. No. <laughs> no. That, I mean, that's, that's actually, you're, you might be right, because now I'm just thinking, wait a minute. Okay. For myself, no team Italy. For you guys, probably no team USA. Well, what the hell is the point then? Maybe Iceland? Go Iceland. Go Iceland unless it's youth hockey. Then Iceland is the devil. They beat up Michigan or something? They beat up the Mighty Ducks. Or they almost did. I thought that was like the rich kids or something. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I Iceland was... No, no sports movies all suck, okay? Hey, like, man, that was one of the first articles I've ever written, is that I hate sports movies. So we, we so found Common Ground. Finally, <laughs> took us like, what, 130 <laughs> episodes of this wretched thing. Yep. All right, let's take a quick break here, and then we're stopping the Wayback Machine. And then right from there, I think we're going to do Mailbag. We might go a little long with Mailbag. We're only going to do three segments this week, because as we said, running low on this stuff. Next week, I think we're going to start looking at some other teams. We're going to keep doing Wayback, but we're also going to think start up ListCast next week. And Jeremy might be indisposed with some stuff, so it, it's going to be an interesting offseason. Uh, a lot of us are dealing with some real-world stuff on our plates, but uh, that doesn't matter here nor there. Coming up next on the POD cast, I'm going to go roll this back and see if I did say Kyle or Jake Riddock. And then we're going to get in the way back machine and talk about lions at Minnesota from 2017. Oh, what fun that was, what we did not see coming and how we overreacted to that. We will be right back. Pride of Detroit POD guest back here. Before we jump in this way back machine, I do want to say that I am, uh, I don't know how many listen to the Dan Levitard show, but I'm starting to turn into Stu Gotts in that I am turning into a character who just ticks happen. Things happen with what I am thinking. And this would be funny if I was not the host. It'd be actually, be, it's funny as I'm the host. It's more funny if I wasn't. And yes, I did say Kyle Rudock. And Can I'm you say Jeremy Kyle is right Mike. one more time? Just say Jeremy's no, right. You can't. Just Jeremy's you right. Can't. Come on. Come on. I'm so close. I'm so close. I'm going to bleep that. I'm going to bleep that too. <laughs> You'll never know that I said it. That's the power of letting me also be the producer. Such a shame. Yeah, it is. It is. If only you knew how to do Adobe Audition. But People you don't. can't hear the truth. People can't hear the truth. They can't expect the truth. This is all fake news now. Because you're just editing the hell out Your of everything. Your fake news. Your right. fake news. Okay. 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 Well, okay. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Please jump the hell back into the way back machine right now. Who wants Korean short ribs, folks? <laughs> Let's get in the way back machine. Make the noise, please. Detroit Lions 14, Minnesota Vikings 7 on October 1st, 2017. In a game where I don't think I ever expected to hear the name Anthony Zettel to be the highlight from that game. And this was the first matchup of two very anticipated matchups in the NFC North because the Minnesota Vikings had just walked away from what was it? They won, yeah, they won the division in 2016. And they had a, I'm not going to call it a respectable playoff appearance. Sorry, what? Is that right? I don't know. I don't think they won the division. Didn't the Packers win it in 2016? You're making me look so... This is the problem. We only have two people here. So 2016 <laughs> North. Yeah. yeah, they won. Okay, the yeah, won. they did. I, I I was hesitant for a second because I, I thought <laughs> I remembered them beating the Packers in like one of the last weeks. No, you just Vikings. remember me hyping the Vikings up all offseason last year and me That's actually right. being yeah. worried about that. Well. Once again, Jeremy was right. No, it wasn't. Can we just call this segment Jeremy is right? How will people know what you're saying if I just bleep it? <laughs> you are fighting an uphill battle against God, my friend. 
Now, let's get back to the Vikings. Because, I mean, sure, okay. Even, even with all that, they did make the playoffs, and people kept looking at their defense and going, holy cow, how can they keep improving on this? And, I mean, their quarterback situation, we've all been there. And Case Keenum, I mean, was he really throwing at this point as we, like, because Case Keenum did start to catch a lot of hype later on in the season. In this game, he threw for 200 yards, 219 yards, 16 out of 30 attempts. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The Case Keenum hype train had not begun yet, but the the week before this, he lit up Tampa Bay, completed over 75% of his passes, three touchdowns, passer rating of 142.1. So there was some intrigue there. Like most Vikings fans still at this point were like, Sam, we need Sam Bradford back if we're going to make a run here. Case Keenum's just a stopgap, but he was riding high coming into into week four. So I, I think there was a little bit of worry with us not really knowing who the Lions were quite yet, um, what he could do to, to do to this defense. And I think the Lions ended up winning that matchup in terms of their pass defense versus uh, the Vikings pass offense. Because remember at this point, the Vikings number one, two punch had already established themselves in Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. We had, we had already found out that these guys were quite the dynamic duo. And while Stefan Diggs had 98 receiving yards in this game, Adam Thielen only had 59. So once again, I, I would call that a W for the Lions. And, and I mean, just this game overall, there were so many. I, I was at this game, first of all. And mm-hmm. I just remember at halftime, the Lions were losing this game 7-3. to three. I thought the Lions were playing very well, out of their minds, especially compared to last week. We talked last week how the Lions shouldn't have even been in that Atlanta game. This game, they were in it at halftime, and it was largely due to their defense. It was largely due to their running game, which against this Minnesota defense, holy crap, that's an accomplishment to have Amir Abdullah hit 94 yards his highest career total against his Vikings defense, that still goes down as a very, very impressive performance to me. And he did it unlike in New York. He didn't do it on a couple of big runs, though he did have one or two. He did it throughout the entire game. He had that really impressive touchdown run from about four or five yards out where he was stopped at like three-yard line and kept pushing his way through. Uh, So I came away very, very happy with the team at halftime. And then – they kind of poured it on in the second half. You know, they outscored Minnesota 11 to nothing in the second half. Well, that part and of so, that was too, like Dalvin Cook also left the game at that sure. point too. And I think, I think what we know now of the Vikings and the Lions, I think, it, I think it is fair to say to wonder what could have happened if Dalvin Cook had stayed in the game. But you know what? That doesn't happen in reality either way. But right. I think that was a big loss for Minnesota in that game and probably gave the Lions what they needed to get over that hill because this was a very defensive battle just bumping back and forth yeah and and not only the fact that Dalvin Cook got injured on that play but he fumbled the ball too right once again continuing continuing what we talked about last week when it comes to talking about the Lions whether they're creating turnovers or not um I believe at this point in the season they were like what plus nine in the uh, turnover margin yeah ridiculous yeah, yeah, it, it it absolutely wasn't sustainable, but when, yeah. but I mean, Cooks Cooks there didn't help. Tahir Whitehead came up with that ball, Amir Abdullah punches it in, and before you know it, suddenly the Lions are up in a very defensive uh, battle with the with the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, and if if you're looking back at warning signs to things that maybe we overlooked at the time, it's exactly that the Lions won the turnover battle in this game three nothing, all fumbles. Fumbles to me are almost are definitely more random than interceptions. Right. So they they definitely had a little luck on the side. They won the game thanks to a fumble. I believe it was Glover Quinn who forced the fumble on Minnesota's potential game tying drive. And the other thing, Matthew Stafford sacked six times in this game. The Lions are still at this oh, point yeah. dealing with Greg Robinson at left tackle, and it is not going well. No, it's absolutely not. And I there there's warning signs there there's warning signs in the fact that again this offense really didn't get going and i think a lot of people were putting it off and saying yeah you were playing minnesota you're supposed to be going up against a very good secondary and everything but we would see later on the season the lions having a lot more struggles with 
you know, airing the ball out in a few places. Uh, once again, a very quiet day for Golden Tate. Marvin Jones, only two receptions, both very long. But, yeah. I mean, well, actually, wait, one long. It's your favorite thing, the one long right. he had, 38, right. and then another four. But then Darren Fells was kind of the success story on the past game of that day. He had four catches for, I believe, 10 yards apiece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, this wasn't a great offensive performance. I did excuse it at the time, and I still actually do kind of excuse it because of the Minnesota Vikings defense. It's a very, very good defense. And like I said, Amir Abdul able to get 4.7 yards per carry against this Vikings defense is good. That being said, if this wants to be an elite offense, they can't be taking six sacks a game. They need more big plays out of their big players. Um, they can't have a game in which Golden Tate only has 30 yards receiving. But they grinded this one out. They got a win on the road. They still haven't lost in that place. And a division win on the road is something very hard and something that this team hasn't come by that often, especially against a team that eventually went, what, 11-5? and five? Yeah, that's that's right. No, and yeah, sorry, like, 13 and three. This team went 13-3. and three. And yeah. the Lions were, the, I believe, the only team to beat them on the road. They were. They were until, I think, yeah, they didn't need, I mean, Period. Vikings, I think, lost on the road in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there that is. And I want to stay on the offense for real quick, too, and ask you, because, again, my memory is pretty bad. I remember certain things that other people don't remember, and I forget things that people normally remember. But looking, you, you bring out the playmakers of this team. And I think this was the game, and from what I remember, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, this was the game where the cries about Eric Ebron started to get really loud. Maybe. I, I do remember him having one or two big plays here, but they were yeah, few he had and far two between. Receptions. He had two receptions on four targets. Mm-hmm. So, like, he, he's, definitely, he's definitely at this point still converting, but every time he's targeted and doesn't come down with the ball, people are going to say something. Right, And I think, and I remember like at least one key drop here. And the problem is when you talk about Eric Ebron and his drops, I challenged when, when he was getting cut by the Lions, I challenged people who were hating on Ebron. I told him to, to tell me those, the exact drops they're talking about, those critical drops, and no one could name anything. So I, that, that's the point. I can't even remember the drop. I just know maybe it happened in this game. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I think the sacks are definitely was more of the question that I had in this than anything. And again, I do have to wonder how much losing Dalvin Cook, because he he was on fire for that day. He had 13 carries for 66 yards. He was averaging over five yards a carry, and he was very, very productive against this Lions defense. Yeah, and I think one, again, one thing we kind of excused at the time was it was the fact that uh, the Lions were without Jared Davis again. Remember, this is the game right. that it's everyone expected him. Out. This is the game that everyone expected him to be back because a concussion was done. In fact, this is where Ian Rappaport came in and is like, yep, no more. He passed concussion protocol. He's back in. Then suddenly a neck injury appeared on the report. Now we were worried maybe he was going to be out for longer. So then the, this is where the Lions linebacking depth was really challenged. And we had Nick Ballore playing 42 snaps this game, which is a far more than he should be playing. Uh, and Steve Longa was also in there. So Steve Longa to hear Whitehead, Nick Ballore were your three linebackers in this game. And that's that, that contributed, I think a lot to why they struggled in, in run defense early in this game. But one other thing I want to talk about on defense here is that this was a game that Miles Killigrew seemed to continue to look good because he he looked good in that opener against Arizona. He had the pick six to pretty much ice the game. This game, he nearly had a pick in the end zone, played 53 snaps, uh, which was second most on the team by far. Tavon Wilson was out for this game. Or, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong game, I think. Yep, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong game. That was last week. Pulling a Miles Kilbrew, I know, right? Miles Kilbrew still did play 44, which was the most second most of anyone behind Glover Quinn. Tavon Wilson played 25. But you got the feeling that the, Miles Killebrew was winning the strong safety position in, in this game and for the season. And this, I think this is a, essentially his swan song for the season because we don't really get a lot of good from him in the rest of the way. He had three tackles in this game. Like I said, I believe he had at least one pass defended, maybe two. Two pass defended, according to ESPN. So he was looking good. 
the yeah, his trajectory was headed up and it felt like you know we were just talking about Caleb and how he might his career might be over in Detroit this was him turning the corner this was him establishing himself as, as the starter but this was the peak of it and and the other person I wanted to talk about from the defense, and I mentioned him at the start, but if you know, we talked last week, the Giants game, um, two weeks ago, the Giants game about Ezekiel Ansa, he might be back. This, I mean, he started to fade here again. He only had three tackles, I believe, but we were kind of just, you know, weren't weren't at the uh, gates yet. But Anthony Zettel showed up in this game. I mentioned he had two sacks, he had a fumble recovery. He had four hurries, two tackles for loss. I believe he hit the quarterback four times. Uh, yeah, like he 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 showed up. And this was a guy who I think, I, I do you think he, I think he keeps his job come, come uh, next August. He'll, he'll be on the team. I don't think he's going to be necessarily, I mean, I don't think he's going to be a starter. I, I think no, he'll no, be a rotational not. piece. But I mean, um, he was he was kind of in the he played a lot of minutes in there just because of what the line was at the time. And we th- I think we, I remember us talking is like, OK, maybe this could be serviceable. Right. So. Again, right, we're playing with House of Cards here. There's one more thing I want to talk about here, and it's the aftermath of this game, because at this point, the lines are three and one. A lot of Lions fans think they should be four and oh. The hype train is out of fucking control and I, I i had a hard time not buying in especially being there that was the best i felt about this team since the 2014 season yeah. because they took down a good team a team that i thought was very good at the time and we later learned was very good in their home stadium by a full possession and without any extremely lucky plays in my opinion. Like they they were toe to toe with them the entire game regardless of the three fumbles or not. They were toe to toe with them. And so for the first time I think I have ever seen in my life they were number 2 in power rankings. And not just one. NFL.com had them number 2. USA Today had them number 2. Everyone had them top 10. SB Nation had them 6th. ESPN had 9th. Washington Post 6th. Bleacher Report 5th. Yahoo Sports 7th. CBS 6th. This, I've never seen a fan base so pumped. And you and I were both watching from kind of afar, seeing people like, I see them only losing one or two more games down the rest of the season. This team is going 13 and three. This team is going 14 and two. This team is going 12 and four. And while I was hyped, I was never there. Because yeah, you, you were I there. And I, but I was also further back. And you mentioned that the hype train was out of control. I agree. But as we are going to see next week, the hype train is also running out of track. Yes. So we'll leave that for next week. We're getting out of the way back machine. Do 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 do. As I said, this can be a shorter podcast. So we're going to bring up mailbag next. And I think that will be where we end the evening. Just the two of us, Jeremy and Chris here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We'll be right back. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. News here. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail time. 
Hashtag ask POD. As always, get your questions in. We start with the reviews. Jeremy, I know we had a surplus last week. Let's yep, we, we got three more. I'll read two of them now. Malachi313 gives us five stars. His review's entitled Malachi's Honolulu Blue Balls. These guys are the best. I look so forward to their podcast every week. By the way, I am the fan who found Amir Abdullah's Liz Frank injury last summer and reported it to your podcast on Reddit. Back to the kudos. I absolutely love listening to this podcast. The guys are very informative and straight to the point, exclusively all about the Detroit Lions. They are the only podcast from Detroit that talks strictly football. Their knowledge and expertise on breaking down player acquisition, player development, and player profile is second to none. These guys really take the time to do their research before the podcast. Even their mailbag questions are on point. Strictly football, football, football. I am so grateful that they leave out the fluff. Thanks, guys, for all you do to keep up the great work. 14-2, and two, NFC Championship, forward down the field, Detroit Lions. I feel insulted. I feel like that was a little tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> Either that or he accidentally reviewed the wrong podcast. Next, uh, next review, please. Next review, two stars. We're going to read it, though. AS409, overall, okay, C-plus grade. As a big Lions fan, I can't get enough Lions content, and overall, I think these guys do an okay job. My problem is when they get on a soapbox and it gets really obnoxious. During multiple episodes, they have been discussing a subject and they feel one only one view is point is valid. I understand being passionate about topics, however, it would it just gets to me gets to be too much for me. So I won't be listening to this podcast anymore because of that. Here's the thing. It's not that we only think one point is valid. I am more than willing to argue against those other points. It just so happens to be that among us, none of those share those those viewpoints we've we've tried we've tried to maybe <laughs> try to be reasonable but at the same time like i think we're also in a generation now where we don't need to be gotta hear both sides that became a Jesus and marrow joke like back in what 2014 not every side has to be legitimate in an argument and even if there was in the particular subjects we were talking about we just believed in saying what we believed to say it's we weren't trying to bring it up here trying to be objective it's just what we had in our in, a, in the chamber on the day so i'm sorry we don't have your the uh grandpa view that uh it's okay for matt patricia to bada 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 bing bada boom but i'm just saying that's what we have going into these things we work with yes. what we've got this is a limited and, kitchen here and i think we try whenever we can to at least play devil's advocate a little bit and, or address some of the points made by the other side of the argument but I, I, I'm not going to apologize for, for us saying what we believe in. I'm and sorry if you we, don't, don't have, we don't have more people to, to talk to it. I mean, maybe that's on us, but I mean, we've tried, but you know what? A lot of the people against us just don't sound very articulate. And if they were, they'd be well, welcome on the podcast. Sure. But in the end, this is us. Like, we are the, the personalities that you're going to get on the podcast. And if you don't like it, you're more than welcome to not listen anymore. And, and that's fine. Apparently has. And screw your two-star review tanking our, taking our ratings or whatever. <laughs> no, they don't do anything, but I just like saying that. All right, let's get to the questions. And I have to dig through it now because as I said earlier, we kind of had, uh, was it two days now to sit here, sift through some questions. So I think we got to start with a big one uh, from Zucifer. Which Lions player would you cast a star in a Fast and Furious movie? Jeremy sat through no. and marathon no. every Fast and Furious movie this Sorry. weekend. Uh, I think he lost a few brain cells, to say the least. Uh, first off, I just want you to answer Zucifer's question, then we'll get into more of your impact from America's great cinematic experience of the 21st century. Um, okay, well, whoever it is, they're replacing Tyrese because he's the worst character in that film franchise. He's supposed to be the comedic relief, and he is not funny at all. So give me a funny Lions player to replace him. Darius Slay is now Tyrese in that film franchise. I think he would like I think I think Darius Slay would have liked that if you said that to him. It's like, hey, you get to play you you are trading in for Tyrese. I think Darius Slay would be down for that. Yeah, absolutely. He'd be great. He'd be so funny, too. Every time that dude talks, I laugh, no matter what he's saying. Tyrese, on the other hand, garbage. Not funny, not charismatic, nothing. Get him off my screen. It got to a point where, like, I, I knew nothing about these movies going ahead of time, so I would watch intently 
during the opening credits to see if I could see Tyrese's name. And then every time that I saw it, because he was in every movie past four, I was like, no, this movie's going to suck. I hate this. Don't talk bad about these movies. Why? They're America. It's, I, I swear I went into this with an open mind because I knew I wasn't going to like these movies, but I was re- I was trying so hard. And the fact that number five was a good movie. I enjoyed number five. I hate these kind of movies, and I enjoyed number five. Every single other one was garbage. Two was garbage. Tokyo Drift, not necessarily garbage, but it's a kid's movie. It's a movie about me. Look at me going against my dad and my family. I'm such a rebel. I'm drifting in Tokyo. Look how cool I am. It, it's a kid's movie. If you're a kid, I'm sure you liked it. But everything else just turned out to be so bad, so unfunny. Five at least had interesting stunts, somewhat realistic stunts, except for the dragon is safe across the whole city. But everything else was just like, it didn't look realistic. It didn't look or feel fun. It was just out of control, stupid, or it was just really bad writing. Speaking of, speaking of realistic stunts, and to get you off of going from a rant here, but I did see on Twitter the other day about the kind of levels Tom Cruise goes to to do the stunts in Mission Impossible now. Mm-hmm. Like he apparently had, there was a scene that called for the, like a dagger to be closed, like a knife to be plunged like inches from his eyeball. And he wanted that to be done with an actual knife. Uh, he, well, he it's been established he's a crazy person, but Mission Impossible no, movies are dope. I love the Mission Impossible movies. Okay, we've got your taste here. All right, next next set of questions here. <laughs> Jeez, man. All right, uh, let's see here. Where where do you want to go next? I've got a question here from Blake Berry. Let's sure. take this one first before we get into the bigger one that's going to take up, I think, the rest of the mailbag, but let's see. Uh, should the NFL change the Lombardi Trophy to something more like the Stanley Cup? I don't know exactly what he's talking there, but I, I have seen a lot of people float this in the past few trophy celebrations with the NBA and the NHL in that. And I mean, you, you here we go. I'm going to have to give the hockey stand something to stand for, but the owners don't tr- touch that trophy first in hockey. Whereas in a lot of other sports in America, the owner is probably the first one to grab the World Series trophy or the Vince Lombardi or the Larry O'Brien. And a lot of people are arguing, probably because now we live in a heightened world with awareness of these kind of things, that yeah, maybe the owners shouldn't probably uh, touch that trophy first before any of the other players. Uh, I mean, that seems like a silly thing to really get. No, I, I, I want to touch. I, I want to touch it. the button first. Mm, I, I agree I with it. I agree with that as far as like presentation, as far as ceremony goes, because he's the guy who probably does the least. He just happens to have the money. But I do not. You're, you're talking about the NFL here. I just don't think it's going to happen ever. I think. I think we can also agree though that the Stanley Cup is the best trophy. Well, I nah. don't like. There's, there's so many good things about it. You can drink nah. from it. It's got everyone's name That's on it. it. No, it doesn't. They remo- they're removing names. Oh Well, yeah, they have they're to. Removing but it... na- no, they make it bigger. Make it bigger. Keep making it bigger. I know you won't be able to <laughs> no. lift it up after that. Keep making it bigger. If you're a real goddamn hockey trophy, you don't stop. Oh you reach for this the is, stars with this thing. This may be your worst take of, of all time. I No, I believe in that. Hockey fans no, will you be... don't. Yes, I do. I do. I believe in that. It needs to get bigger. I want to see people up on step ladders, reaching up, take drinks from the cup. But you, how are they going to lift it? How are they even going to bring it into the arena? They're just going to have to know. fork lift it in. Yeah, because you're going to have to remove the dump, roof eventually. That's what I want by the year three thousand. <laughs> to remove the roof to bring it in, the world crushed under the mass of this thing. Next question here, and probably the set of questions I think everyone wants to get from us. Uh, I've got one from, I'm going to bring in two questions here. Canada Delaire, how many laps around Ford Field should we make Carlos Monterez run as punishment for his ridiculous MP on the verge of losing the team article? And then I believe, where was the other one? There was someone else who was asking us about Carlos. And uh, I know you don't like when I mention the name. Nope. But we are talking about it right now because your boy got his name in deadspin. My boy. Oh, here it is. Greg Greg G, why is Carlos Monterey so damn negative? 
Now, I do have a issue with his column, and I'm just going to bring this up as a media as a media critique in that the quote he uses from, I believe, was it Carrie Carrie Ann Johnson? From Carrie Ann Johnson is completely nonsensical and has nothing to do with the actual uh, point he's trying to make. Like, I'm. This this piece was kind of in between in that I think I, I think the Deadspin piece did a lot better idea than I am going to be critiquing it, but I will just say that you're it was kind of somewhere between a column and also wanting to have a journalism lead to it, but again it was a quote that didn't really it didn't fit it didn't fit I'm I'm I've pulled up the actual quote here, um so he says his observation was. Matt Patricia's in, in danger of losing his players. That might be his observation. I don't know where he comes to that, but then he tries to prove it and says from rookie back, rookie running back, Harry on Johnson, these are true professionals. These are grown men, 30, 35, 25. Now that alone does not indicate any kind of losing the player or any kind of disrespect from carry on having about Patricia. So I'm not sure where, what kind of tea leaving tea, tea leaf reading is going on here. And then he devolves into a screed here about, and just, uh, I mean, I don't know. Did you read it? No. Why would I read it? Car- I, if there's anything Carlos Monterez has established in his Detroit Free Press Lions beat writer career, it's that he doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't. Every single topic, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He he writes based on emotion. He writes based on feel. He doesn't write based on facts or precedent or anything around him. He thought the the the... Matthew Stafford deal was ridiculous. He thought, you know, Jim Caldwell, you know, was ridiculous in how little he talked to the media. Now he's complaining about the same thing with Matt Patricia. This guy is completely unaware of his surroundings and doesn't know how the NFL works. So why would I trust him when he says he's in danger of losing the team? I'll stand. Why would I read that dumbass column? I'll stand up here and talk about emotion. And I love talking about emotion because you know me, I, I am your antithesis here. When it comes to this, I like a good emotional thing, but I am with you in that. If you are going to jump into the emotional thing, you do have to back up your argument in some way. And Monterez has failed multiple times now to back it up with anything substantial, which is kind of staggering because he is on the Detroit Lions beat. And if he had any juice to run these takes, he would be using it. And instead he has the best he's given us in this take was a completely misused quote from a rookie running back about the ages of the grown men that he is playing with. <laughs> so uh, just... I can't, I can't really broach it. So, and, and I, I think the question now becomes about how much power that has. I, I mean, people are doing the same song and dance. They always do with these kind of things is that it is, you want to respond to it, but then there's the contingent that says, don't respond to it. He gets the attention and that gives him the air. I don't believe in the latter because I do not believe that the hate read is capable of sustaining you in these kind of things. And I think that's the road Monterez is maybe finding himself running down because his takes, and you will count this, Jeremy, they've gotten more and more uh, out there, I think is the correct, is the polite word I want to use. And I'm just saying like, after this, where do you got to go next to one up? You've got to one up yourself. If this is the path you want to take with the takes, you have to keep one upping yourself. And I don't think he can keep one upping himself. Here's the problem though, is that there is a portion of this fan base that, based on years and years and decades and decades of losing have become as jaded as possible and start to believe some of the stuff he writes and start to actually think the way he thinks, because they aren't the kind of people that, that also live in the reality. They aren't the people kind of people that, that read all the mini camp reports that read, you know, all the, the in-depth news about how Matthew Stafford is almost certainly going to get an extension with the numbers that he got okay. and all that sort of stuff. Okay. They're just living in this reality based on, oh, the lines suck. Everything they're doing must suck. Okay, but ha- legitimately, because I know you get those people in your mentions at, at Pride to Detroit, how many of those people are then quoting Carlos Monterez as their source for that? For that? I don't know. Well, well that, that's, no. that's the thing. I, can, I will tell you none of them. Here's the thing. But those people don't join in on the in-depth conversations. Those are the people that they read they, you know, they read the headlines, they, they read the basic things of what's going on and they see something like that and they probably believe it. I just, I, I personally believe that if you're, if they are looking for a certain columnist or writer that more embodies them, there are some there, they, 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 they've got their own outlets that do not include the free presses, uh, lion's beat writer. 
who is trying to become a columnist. I I just believe that. And there's, I mean, there's the other thing too is like as someone who writes, like, I don't know, I like a good scathing hot take every now and then, but there's got to be some flair to it. There's got to be a finesse to how you write. And maybe, I mean, bless 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 his heart for Monarez. I hope he does well. I hope, I don't want to see anyone in this particular business go out of a job because it is a very harsh world out there. But there's just nothing that really gets me. I mean, it's if, a harsh world, but doesn't that mean that someone that's worthy of that job should get it instead of whatever the hell he's blasting out there at the free press? I don't know. I mean, how many people could, I mean, give me the job. Shit. I could do a better job. Okay. Challenge out to the Detroit free press. We had the Detroit news getting back to us. We had the Detroit news editor listening to us. This is now a challenge out to the free press. All I'm saying, dude, is they like to do a little like wrap up video between Burkett and Monarez after, you know, maybe a day of practice or something like that. Watch one of those and try to tell me Monarez knows what he's talking. Because Dave Burkett is a professional. Dave Burkett is someone Lions Media is lucky to have. He works I, I hard. He's smart. He he knows how to write. Monarez is a joke. And I, I, I will, that we're I will talk up, about him. I will up you for the Burkett love because I think we all here love Dave Burkett. He does a very fantastic job. I'm not of I'm I'm trying to be a more positive Chris in this uh in this half of the year. I'm real I really am trying to be a lot more positive for my own health and for my own uh mental stability right now what i will say is this is that uh the one thing that monarez does disappoint me is that he is not available to really defend his uh takes if you are going to throw firebombs out there i just ask that you are uh willing to like i i'm sure he i'm curious if he shows up to the players if if he's if he makes himself available to the players after talking to them after writing one of these things that's one of the big things i learned writing some of my own columns out here is like, yeah, you've got to be ready to take that flack when you drop something like that. You've got to be ready to address a locker room after you torch them. I would say too, because Monterey's audience is definitely seems to be more of the fans at this point. Uh, he should be available to people to discuss these things, not, not to go out to the braying hordes or whatever, but I mean, he's not on Twitter. He still rocking the, LA Chargers thing. Well, I mean, he's around here. It's talk about tacos and whatever. But no, I just there there's no way to really interact with him. And I am curious. What I'm saying is, Monterey's come on this podcast. Explain yourself. Nope. I run this. He'll have to replace me. This is my domain. I'm not. I'm not being on that podcast. I want nothing to do with him. All right. Let's get on to some more questions here. Harrington HOF, what would it take for Cleveland to be able to beat Golden State? They've lost three out of four times and almost lost in 2016. Except they didn't. That was a fantastic year I went to that parade. It was magical. Uh, Look, Golden State's just the better team. It's stocked. God damn, Kevin Durant was a beast at the end there. What's it going to take for them to beat them? More players, not this sad sack of a roster that got turned over halfway through the season. And yeah. if LeBron leaves, they're never going to do it. Adopt the Celtics roster and put LeBron on it. Go get Russ. Go get Russell Westbrook. He will. He will. He will take down Kevin Durant for you. You know what you need to do is not have J.R. Smith forget the goddamn score in the last seconds of Game One. He knew it. He said he knew it. Ah, oh, Jesus. Okay, next question coming up here. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Sorry, I had this up here, and then all of a sudden we start moving these things around, and I forget where I put these things. Let's take this one here from Just Plain Bill. With your massive combined football IQs and in-depth knowledge of the Lions roster capabilities and offensive coordinator f- philosophies, what is the optimal run-pass ratio for the offense? <laughs> uh I don't know, like sixty-three thirty-seven. Does that does that add up? Zero to one hundred. Established a running game one hundred percent? No, no running game at all. He said oh, running the pass. Yeah, yeah. What? We're going full air raid here. You're changing our our slogan of establishing the I, run? 
they have to establish the run by throwing the football. <laughs> so they're establishing the run by never running the ball. It's That's always right. established, but they're never they're never utilizing it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Or I mean, at Rob Roos, will any of you guys follow the most popular sporting event in the world, the World Cup? Yes, I will. It's it's fun to watch. I'm it's not going to get in depth. I, I do think about it or anything. I do think there are some obstacles to it this year. Uh, being in Russia, no matter what you think about Russia and its weird, weird, oppressive politics, especially when it comes to people of LGBT backgrounds, which I vociferously defend for, but it does come on on the tape delay now, I believe, or or oh, does it? Wait. Well, Fox is probably going to do one of those NBC things where it will replay. They'll they'll play it live, but it is it's like Sochi. There's going to be a time difference. It's going to put it on on weird hours, whereas you had it on Brazil, you more or less had it on during Eastern Standard Time, more or less. Right. Uh, I think the U.S. being out of it really hurts. Absolutely. People watching in this country. Uh, for me personally, Italy not being in it is a big downer for me. I am always about Team Italy. Uh, and yeah. But let's know, just man. say, I mean, you're you're lucky that you're going to be in Los Angeles for it because this is a truly multicultural place, and anywhere you oh, go, sure, they're, they're sure. going to be rabid fans of everything. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out. And, I'm going to try to find different bars probably Absolutely. each day. Do it. I, I while I still have money here right now, I am going to find different bars each day for different countries. So I'm going to try to find an Argentina bar. I'm going to maybe try to find a Portugal bar. Definitely a Brazil bar. Def- definitely a Mexico bar. Yeah, I think that lights beat out going to a Mexico bar, but I'll try it. I highly, if anyone else list, is listening from a major metropolitan city with a bunch of people from different backgrounds, go out and watch the World Cup. No matter what time it is, go watch it in a bar. And Man, see I love crazy people get. It's it's a lot of fun to watch in a bar. It, it's I love probably, soccer. It might be my favorite sport to watch in a bar. I love soccer. I'll, I'll watch it. I I watch Syria. I watch some Premier League. I definitely watch Champions League. That's just, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I like it. I, I like soccer. It's, it's a, be- you know, the beautiful game or whatever it, or whatever you want to call it. But I, I enjoy it, man. I just, I, I just wish I knew more about what, what was going on sometimes, but that's fine. I, I do that with a lot of sports. I watch rugby all the time. I have no clue what's going on. You don't need to understand a sport to enjoy it. Which goes to our next question from Critical Perspective. What relatively obscure team sport should be more popular than it is? I mean, mm-hmm. soccer, but. <laughs> well, on a global scale, it's just about as popular as you can get. No, no, I know, I know. Um, rugby sevens is really fun. I would I would pay for like a big rugby sevens league out there, but I know rugby union has its own kind of big following. So what about you? What do you like? It's a tough question because I don't know. I don't really watch any other team sports outside of the major four. I was thinking tennis, but that's obviously not a team sport. Uh, geez, I don't know. I don't really have a sport, a fringe sport that I'm a big fan of. You should go find one. Actually, I, I need to, okay, so it's not team sport, but darts should definitely be bigger. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's true. <laughs> anyway, last question here from Ty Finch. What is the worst slash best item to buy cheap? I don't understand the question. What is the best item that you can buy cheap? And what is like, okay, my answer for best item to buy cheap beer. Okay. Cheap beer is fine. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind that answer. I like to go like just one step above like domestic crap. I'll drink like, whatever. Uh, God, these are tough. really feeling. You're not really, really feeling this one. I don't know. I, I just, I guess I don't really, I buy, I, I'm, I'm super cheap. I buy everything cheap. I, I buy, I buy, I buy store brands of everything. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Jeremy is cheap. The one thing you don't splurge on is toilet paper though. Go soft or you'll regret it. Yeah, I bought, I bought single ply one time. That was not a good experience. No. I'm just going to end it right there. <laughs> Oh, <laughs>
Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Ryan Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you, Star Side. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.